the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. As I've said many times, I love sleeping on my my pillow, my my pillow mattress topper, and my Giza Dream bed sheet. Uh, so much so that I often find it hard to get out of bed. But I will confess that if I knew something that I want to transpire was going to transpire tomorrow morning, I would be more than happy to get out of bed. At 4 a.m. But I don't want to get out of bed at 4 a.m., get up from my comfy my pillow mattress topper, my my pillow, and um, get out from under my Giza Dream bed sheets if the U.S. women's national soccer team is going to defeat Australia and win the bronze medal in the Olympics. So I will sleep through that, and then I will check on my phone to see if The game is worth watching on the DVR. Yes, I am rooting against an American team. And I've struggled with that in these Tokyo Olympics because until last night, until really yesterday afternoon, I had not found any Americans that made me feel inside the way I came to routinely feel inside watching the Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics. I've covered a Winter Olympics, 1988 in Calgary. And that was cool, literally and figuratively. Uh, Saw some really fun things up there. Bonnie Blair win a bunch of gold medals. Saw Dan Jansen fall in the 500-meter speed skating uh, the afternoon that his sister tragically died from uh, a long battle with cancer. Uh, That was the Eddie the Eagle Olympics. Maybe you've seen the movie, Eddie the Eagle. That was the Jamaica bobsled Olympics. Uh, They were fun to cover. That was the Debbie Thomas Katerina Witt Olympics. So I have a lot of memories of that, but I have a lot of memories of the Summer Olympics as a kid watching it, and I always loved watching Americans win and then tear up on the medal stand. This Olympics, it seems like all we have are Olympians that hate being from America, most notably our women's national soccer team. Now, Aaron, when is the last time you can remember getting up voluntarily at 4 in the morning? Ever? Um, yeah, I mean, I used to have a morning show where I'd wake up at four every day, but outside of work, no, not once ever. I did that too for a morning show. People are not made to get up at that hour. We're not geared to get up at that hour. I'm convinced (laughs) you can't adjust to that schedule. I slept, I would sleep twice. Oh, I never found a workable way to do it. four hours twice. I had a friend, uh, Jeff Hogan, many of you may remember Jeff from Channel 10, who told me it took him two years to adjust to that schedule, and I did it for just a little over two years, and I still wasn't adjusted to it. So uh, would you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, Aaron, to drive to a phenomenal golf course? Say, 
you know, somewhere up in the Cleveland area, if you had a 6 a.m. tea time, would you do that? Uh, you know, if it's like once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, yeah. sure. Yeah. The Sharon Club, maybe, or someplace like that that, you know, you can't get on unless you know somebody. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I did that to play Firestone one time. But I'd get up tomorrow morning if I could watch Megan Rapino and the U.S. Women's National Team lose. And I'm now convinced that there's nothing wrong with rooting against them. Because the way I reconcile it is, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, 844-TALK-989, or if you share my opinion, 844-TALK-989. I used to root against, well, way back in the day when I was little, I used to root against the East Germans and the Russians. And then East Germany kind of went away, but I always rooted against the Russians. Well, why did I root against the Russians? Because they were against our way of life. And so why would I feel guilty rooting against the U.S. women's national team or rooting against Raven Saunders, the shot putter who crossed her arms in protest, or against Gwen Berry, the hammer thrower, who makes very clear they they hate America? Why are they even representing America? I would have the strength of integrity and character not to represent a country I didn't love or a team I didn't love. I don't walk around wearing the... uh, school shirts or gear of teams I don't like. You wear the gear of teams you like. So until yesterday when Tamara Mensah-Stock won the Olympic gold medal in wrestling and reacted in just such exuberant, awesome fashion afterward, I hadn't found anybody that made me feel inside the way I used to feel about the Olympics. Here's Tamara Mensah-Stock. Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. <laughs> love it. Well, well said. Congratulations. Enjoy that gold, and we'll see you out there on the podium, okay? Thank you. I'll turn up the cry. No problem. <laughs> Now, I've covered this concept before, and I'll cover it again here. The difference between the people who can't stop criticizing America and the people who understand how fortunate they are to live in America and represent America, the the delineation is people who have an attitude of thankfulness and people who don't. People who see that they've been given a gift and can use it to better other people rather than just raise themselves or people who don't. They're all about themselves. Last night at the Olympics, uh, a young lady by the name of Sydney McLaughlin ran in the 400-meter hurdles, and she set a world record, and she won the gold medal. And she beat her teammate, uh, Dalila Muhammad. Now, the refreshing thing about these two young women, uh, Dalila Muhammad is 31, Sydney McLaughlin is 21, is that they could be bitter rivals who wish nothing but bad things on each other. Instead, they are the best of friends. And they are genuinely happy for each other's success. And I believe Sidney McLaughlin would have been just as happy for Dalila Muhammad to win her second straight gold medal in that event as Dalila Muhammad was last night for Sidney McLaughlin to win her first. Both of them broke what had been the existing world record. And so that was super fun to watch. And it was interesting because NBC has gone to great lengths to publicize the uh, unhappy Olympian, the rancor. 
they, I think probably unwittingly, last night in doing a feature on Dalila Muhammad and Sidney McLaughlin, referred to them as iron sharpening iron. Now, they have no idea, I'm sure, that that comes from the Bible and comes from Proverbs 27. As one man, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The concept is those two young women made each other better by pushing each other to heights they would not have achieved by themselves. Afterward, Sidney McLaughlin talked about doing what she does to glorify God. She said, this season working with a new coach and my new support system, it's truly just faith and trusting the process. I couldn't ask for anything more, and truly, it is all a gift from God. So she's 21, and also last night, for the first time since 1968, the U.S. won the Olympic gold medal in the women's 800, approximately half a mile. The winner is a 19-year-old. Her name is Athing Moo. First name is Athing, A-T-H-I-N-G. Last name, M-U. Say, that's a strange name for an American. Well, she is an American by way of Sudan. She's the second youngest of seven kids. She was born in 2002 after her family left the Sudan and immigrated to the U.S. And her smile was just telegenic, just amazingly telegenic. And not surprisingly, she orders her life along the same priorities as Sidney McLaughlin. A thing Moo said this, as a follower of Christ, our main goal is to live in the image of Jesus in order to connect to God and get to God. I believe when God is ready to give you blessings, he gives it to you with all intentions. So she's living with a higher purpose. Sidney McLaughlin is living with a higher purpose. And sometimes we can get disconnected from that purpose. We can get distracted from that purpose. And the best thing that can happen to us is that we can be blessed with someone who leads us back to recentering ourselves, helping us understand where our priorities should lie, which is where they once lied. And that is the case with American Olympic gold medalist Vincent Hancock. Vincent Hancock won his third Olympic gold medal in this Olympics. Uh, He previously won the gold medal in skeet shooting in 2008 and 2012. No doubt at that particular time, he thought those achievements would bring him happiness, would bring him content. Instead, Vincent Hancock found that he did not recognize or realize or obtain the kind of enjoyment that he thought those achievements would bring him. But he then met his wife at a time when he was considering quitting the sport. And he said she encouraged him to pray and to see if that sparked a new approach, a new inspiration for him in using his gift of being able to shoot better than virtually anyone in the world. He said, for me to have a platform to introduce people to Christ, to show people what he's capable of in us, and to set an example, 
I realize God has given me this amazing ability to do what I do. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to take a hold of it and I'm going to do it because it's more than just winning gold. It's people I can impact in a positive direction on a daily basis through what I do that otherwise would have no input from a Christian source. And that is the challenge for all of us, is to take the gifts and abilities we have, the opportunities we have, the people that have been placed in our life, and perhaps we're the only person who can model those attitudes and draw them to uh, the one and only thing that will determine their eternal destiny. We talk a lot on this show about leaders, a lot of times about failed leaders. Often it's leaders who have a much bigger platform than an everyday person. Uh, Most people never find themselves in the headlines. They're not the governor of a state. They're not elected to office. But it doesn't change the fact that we'll all be held accountable for what we do with the platforms we're given. And it's a very frustrating time to live. I understand that, and I hope that I don't poke and prod and drive you to anger over some of the crazy things that our authorities are doing. But I hope what I do is to educate you on those things and inspire you to respond in a way that shows that our strength comes from a different place than where most people uh, rely and often find emptiness. Uh, in relying on things that don't provide them the same kind of inspiration, the same kind of direction that these Olympians that I just talked about uh, clearly manifest. So uh, I hope I hear more stories like that as the Tokyo Olympics unfold. And it's possible that people who aren't uh, aren't grateful for the opportunities that they have, if they don't achieve what they hope to achieve and, You know, if the U.S. women's soccer team doesn't win a medal at all in these Olympics, maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing that happened to them if it caused them to do some introspective reflection and learn a lesson from people like a Thing Moo and Sidney McLaughlin and um, Victor Hansen. We'll see. We'll see. I do not doubt that the people who are panicked and insisting on overreaching with mask mandates and vaccination emphasis are well-intentioned. I just believe that they are so incredibly gripped with fear about their lives ending that they are delusional about the safety that masks or vaccines buy them. Nobody's days are guaranteed. And so it's a little sad for me to read comments from people like Ohio State President Christina Johnson. Now, this is a person who has many degrees, and you don't get to be the president of Ohio State without having quite a lot going for you. Uh, To hear her discuss the desperation that set in in her mind last year when Ohio State's COVID numbers went to a 6% positivity rate on campus. 
it's, well, it's telling. Now, a 6% positivity rate on campus sounds like a lot, right? Oh, my goodness. I meant they had 120 COVID-infected students on campus. 120. They had 830 beds for quarantining. So they never came close, never came close to exhausting their capacity. But, oh, what might happen? The fear of what might happen drives so many bad decisions. And it's a bad decision in my view, to discriminate, that's what they're doing when they establish different protocols for testing students until House Bill 244 becomes law in October. They're going to make your life miserable if you can't show them proof of vaccination. They're going to test you and test you and test you and test you again. So I started the show today uh, by playing uh, what I think are some uh, super enlightening comments from uh, a doctor who was on the uh, Megyn Kelly podcast, uh, Martin Kildorf, Kaldorf, excuse me, Harvard University. All right, so the wokester should love him, right? He's a PhD professor of medicine, Harvard Medical School. He was on Joe Biden's COVID advisory task force until he dared say, hey, you're making a mistake not allowing people over 50 years of age to take the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Well, he's, he's more pro-vaccine than the Wokesters were. Uh, here he is talking about the way that people who've had COVID and recovered have antibodies, but not getting credit for it because, oh, they're unvaccinated, about the persecution that they are facing when people just refuse to acknowledge the fact that they have antibodies, the same kind, probably better, studies show, than those produced by vaccinations. How does he feel about that? I don't know what the reason, because there's no public health reasons for it. Um, and it's also stunning that you have scientists who obviously understand this, but they're not speaking out about it. I mean, we, we have had the, the virus for, for about uh, almost two years now. So we have very solid evidence that we have long-term uh, uh, protection. The vaccine hasn't been around, has been around for a year shorter. So we have less evidence for the vaccines. And you wouldn't normally for viruses, you would expect the vaccines to be not quite as good in terms of generating this, uh, the same immunity as natural disease. But this idea that people who have had COVID need to get vaccinated is very strange. And it's also very damaging because there are places in this world where um, uh, older people who need this vaccine because they are at high risk. Everybody can get infected, but there's a thousandfold difference in mortality between the oldest and the youngest. So older people need the vaccines, and there are many people in, uh, in uh, South Asia, in Africa, in South America, and so on, who has not received the vaccine. So instead, we have vaccinated people in the U.S. and Europe who have already had the disease and who are therefore immune. Those vaccines should go to other countries. See, that's a good excuse. I haven't gotten vaccinated because there are people who need it more than I do. Now, for those of you who are parents and you are wondering, should I get my child vaccinated? Here is what Martin Kulldorff had to say about the wisdom of vaccinating kids under 12. Yeah, that's wrong uh, uh, for a few reasons. But uh, if you say, look at the, the children, for children, COVID is less dangerous than uh, the annual influenza. Every year in the U.S., 
uh, depending on the severity of the influenza, between 200 and 1,000 children die from influenza every year, and that's, of course, very tragic. In the, in the U.S., so far, we've had, I think, 300-something reported COVID death among children, but we don't even know how many of those are truly from COVID versus uh, with COVID because CDC hasn't done the audit. Uh, and uh, uh, John Hopkins professor uh, Martin McCary wrote a very important, I think, op-ed, in, I think it was in Wall Street Journal, where he was arguing that CDC should make these audits to find out. And it's, they have thousands of employees, so it's not so difficult to do for them. But they haven't done it, and that's sort of surprising because that's sort of their their job, I think. Yeah, they don't have a lack of employees. Uh, Maybe they could put Dr. Walensky on that. Keep her off CNN, off MSNBC, off scaring people about the uh, debilitating effects of the Delta variant. Um, There is a certain amount of this, I think, that is um, too intoxicating. For them to say, you know what? We've reached herd immunity. We've got X number of people vaccinated and X number of people recovered, and we're at herd immunity, and we're going to blow through this Delta thing, and people aren't dying. No, I'm not going to come on MSNBC or CNN. Everything's fine. Live your life. Oh, if only she would say that. 